I had not been flying for long in Africa, though I had already done some long-distance trips, east coast of Somalia, southern border of Tanzania, Congo, Rwanda, Burundi, but the one coming up made me a little edgy. The problem with long flights was the fact that there was no toilet facilities on board, so one had to last out until the next refueling stop, about four hours. The other problem was over large areas of Africa, there was nothing to navigate by. Change days now with satellite navigation. So when a trip came up to go to a mission station in Central African Republic from our base in Nairobi, I wasn't overexcited. The destination was a little short of 1,000 miles away. And when leaving Uganda, the train would, terrain would be flat and tree-covered. No roads and no rivers marked on the map. I was briefed. Land at Gulu in Uganda for refuelling. From there, fly a direct track for Obo, about 400 miles further on, after crossing into Congo and the Central African Republic. And 100 miles before your destination, there will be a hut with a corrugated iron roof on it. If you can't find this, turn back, because you will never have a, you'll have little chance of finding Obo. After the tin roof, there is nothing to navigate by. There is not much before it either. All started off well, and I arrived at Gulu in Uganda as planned and refueled. I prayed that the weather would be good for the onward part of the journey, as there had been several thunderstorms overnight. I set off in the next leg of the journey with my one passenger and freight on board. After about a hundred miles, we left Uganda and flew into Congo airspace. There was a river away to the south, which gave a little indication of where I was. But soon it disappeared, leaving nothing except my tin roof to find. I was now about 300 miles from my departure at Gulu and the time had come, according to my calculations, for us to be overhead the tin roof. What a blessing the sun was shining, and I could see a shiny spot coming up, which wasn't water, the tin roof. Even so, I was not able to relax, for it would be 40 minutes before the grass strip at Obo would appear out of the trees. With the sun shining, I was able to check the shadows of the clouds on the ground, below an estimated direction of the wind was taking and make sure that I was allowing for drift in the correct direction. Thirty minutes went by and only trees on flat ground had passed below me but the map now showed a dotted line which indicated that there should be some sort of track between the trees. If my timing was right I should have passed that track but I couldn't see anything but trees, which was a bit worrying. I turned my head and looked back as far as I was able, and there it was, a tiny dirt line between some trees. To say it was a road might be a bit of an exaggeration, but it was a track of some sort. Five minutes later, a grass strip appeared with a building beside it. My, this would be a hard place to find if you miscalculated the wind and get up, got off track. 
one degree of track puts you one mile left or right of you of every 60 miles covered so that would be nearly seven miles for one degree on this leg of the journey obo was an interesting african village the usual mud huts with grass roofs set among the trees the police building was a brick and it had a radio it didn't work but it had one there was many mango and avocado trees and it was interesting to see that the dogs eagerly ate the avocados lying on the ground. The mission station had two families. Only rough tracks connected the village with anywhere, and it required a very sturdy vehicle to negotiate them. After a good night's sleep, and having refuelled the aircraft, we set off back to Nairobi via Uganda, the missionary and his wife. As on the outbound trip, we made contact with the Congo Air Traffic Control Centre to advise them that we were in Congo airspace. After two and a half hours flying, we should be approaching the Uganda border. Congo would have advised Uganda that we would be crossing into their airspace. The hard work was done. We were coming into a country with navigational features such as mountains, rivers, lakes and occasional roads of sorts. Time to put my feet up lean back and have my picnic lunch. Plenty of time, so no hurry over lunch. I just needed to keep straight and level. Then, just when I was enjoying my relaxation, a voice came over the radio, which I had on the speaker. November 4149 Yankee, this is East Africa Control. Could I please have a position report? East Africa Control, this is 49 Yankee. I'll call you back. Now, where am I? Lunchbox down, map unfolded. We must be just over the Ugandan border, about here. But none of the features I see on the ground relate to my map. I spent five minutes looking around, trying to find a feature that would fit. The loudspeaker blasted out again. 49 Yankee, this is East African Control. A position report, please. In other words, where are you? East African Control, this is 49 Yankee. I will call you back in five minutes quickly put on the headphones and switched off the speaker, not wanting the passengers to realise that I didn't know where, I, where we were. I still had an hour of flying before Gulu, where I needed to refuel. Whatever happened, I must find my position before all my fuel was gone. I must not miss Gulu. I called back to East African Control to pass my estimated position. That should keep them quiet for 30 minutes after which they will be asking for an update. I was beginning to get a little worried now. Things were not making sense. In my flight plan, I did have an alter alternate to use in case of bad weather or unforeseen circumstances. It was maybe time to consider this. Entebbe was further away than Guru by about 30 minutes, but it was on the shore of Lake Victoria, and I couldn't miss that even with my eyes shut. So back to East Africa Control to tell them I was diverting to Entebbe. It didn't add much onto the total length of my journey to Nairobi, but it did make me low on fuel by the time I was due to reach Entebbe. I felt like kicking myself for not concentrating all the time. Now every minute I found myself looking at the fuel gauge as if there would be a perceptible difference indication on the gauge in five minutes. At last, the shores of Lake Victoria came into sight. 
and Sudan and Tebi, problem solved. I end with this experience because it has taught me a lesson that has been with me all my life since. It is this. We are all on a long journey. We most certainly will come down to earth sometime when we run out of fuel. We will have to give an account of our journey. Perhaps the greatest danger to us is when everything seems to be going so smoothly and we reckon that we have cleared all the hurdles. The same question still rings in my ears. As it rang in the ears of Adam in the Garden of Eden, a question to which he had no answer. Where are you? <laughs>